A couple months back, we were in a series called Dead End Devotion, and Rich had asked me to speak on the subject of technology. And he called me on a Thursday night, and he said, Jensen, you're out. We got someone better. I'm kidding. It was right when the pandemic started, and he said it might be better to put that sermon on the shelf and bring it out at a later time. And so now's that time. However, I need to be honest. As the week started out, I thought that the subject of technology just didn't seem as urgent or pressing. However, as I watched the news and I saw the photos and the videos come out and the rhetoric and the noise on Instagram and Facebook, I realized this is actually a really important topic to discuss right now. Technology can actually be really bad for us. There are countless people that are addicted to their devices. Over time, we've seen cyberbullying increase. In addition, pornography has been more accessible as time has gone on. In addition, there are just conversations that you can't have online right now. There are conversations that need to be done in person. They're controversial. They're emotional. Technology has the capability of spreading untruths and vitriol. It has the capability and ability to literally tear us apart. There are really some things about the conversation of technology that there's just subtle nuances that need to be done in person. On the other hand, technology has been really good to us. I mean, just our ability to be together online virtually and to have Zoom communities continue has been amazing. There have been grandparents that have been able to see their grandchildren through FaceTime and other means. It's just been incredible. I've got a good friend in California who had a 3D printer and began to print 3D masks for healthcare workers. It's amazing that they did this. I mean, just to put it in context, my wife's 100-year-old grandmother moved from Oklahoma to California and get this, a covered wagon. I mean, talk about cruise control. Can you imagine navigating Atlanta's traffic with just holding a map in your hand? It'd be virtually impossible. In addition, in the past week, technology has captured the injustice that happened to George Floyd. That's going to lead to some major and much needed changes. But in order for us to understand how technology goes wrong, we need to look at the decisions the desires, our disordered love, our vision of the good life, essentially our hearts being misdirected. And it begs the question, how does this happen? Technology grabs at our heart all the time. So again, how, how does this happen? How do we allow this to happen? James K.A. Smith in his book, Desiring the Kingdom, sheds some light on this when he says, our habits thus constitute the fulcrum of our desire. They are the hinge that turns our heart, our love, such that it's predisposed to be aimed in certain directions, often without our thinking about it. You see, it's often within these desires that we're seeking to fulfill something in our hearts. But when we do this, we find that we're emptier more than before. We don't have to look too far back in the Bible to see this off the get-go. We have two people in the garden that had a desire, a vision of the good life, that if they would just eat from the tree, their eyes would be open. They would have a wisdom they didn't have before. They would become essentially like God. See, they had a desire, a vision of this good life. Their hearts were misdirected. 
We could jump to Exodus and see that the Israelites have been taken out of slavery from Pharaoh by Moses. They've wandered the wilderness. They've been given everything they've needed from manna to water. Yet when they get to Mount Sinai and while Moses is at the top talking to God, they melt their jewelry. They give it to Aaron to be made into a golden calf. See, they had a nudge. They had a desire, a vision. Their hearts were disordered and misdirected. We can look to the New Testament where Jesus meets a rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler poses the question to Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, you need to keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? And Jesus lists off a handful of those. And he says, I've kept all those. What else do I lack? And Jesus says, you need to go all, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the man walks away sad. Maybe it's because his wealth was at the center of his heart. Maybe he had this disordered love, this vision of the good life where he could keep his wealth at the center of his heart. His heart was misdirected. Today, we're going to look at a text in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5. But before we jump in, I want to give a little bit of context to where we got to at this point in the story. Moses has led Israel out of Exodus, out of Pharaoh's grasp. They've been wandering the wilderness, and then they've been at Mount Sinai for quite some time. They've had moments where they've been completely obedient to God. They've followed him. They've listened to him. And they're at this moment where Moses reminds them what it means to be in covenant relationship with them. He reminds them what it means to obey the Lord. And so he prepares them as they're about to enter the promised land in Joshua. And he summons all of Israel and he says, Hear Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but it was with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. It doesn't take much for the God of technology to reach and grasp for our hearts. It takes a subtle ping from our phone, a vibration in our pocket, a notification from Facebook, or a little red dot on Instagram letting you know you've got a comment. All these little things bring our attention directly to our devices. Just to give you an example of this from my own life, recently I was driving with my son and he says to me, hey dad, can we go to Chewy.com? They've got free shipping. And I say to him, well, you know I like the word free. What is Chewy.com? And he said, it's actually where you can go and buy dog leashes and dog food for the dog we're going to get. To which I said to him, and he repeated it, they've got free shipping. I didn't realize it, but he's already a salesman. See, what had happened was he had seen a commercial 
And the commercial spoke to the desire of his heart to have a puppy. It definitely didn't speak to my wife and ours hearts, but it spoke to his. Another moment, my daughter and my wife and I were at a doctor's appointment. This was all before COVID hit. And we're in the waiting room and I look around the waiting room and there, everybody there was on their cell phones. And my, my daughter says to me, she says, hey, dad, can we play a game or look at a video on your phone? To which I quickly rebuked her and said, I'm preaching on it this week. No way. And I didn't say that. I said, it's going to rot your brain. And she looked at me and was puzzled at what I said. So, it ended up, so in, in, instead of going on the phone, we ended up playing I Spy, where I would pick something in the room and she'd have to figure out what object I was trying to describe. See, she had a desire. There was a nudge to jump on my device. Yet, I didn't want that habit to kick in for her. More recently, as I've been watching the news, as I've been on Instagram and Facebook quite often during the week, I realized that my heart was being misdirected, that doubt was being sown, doubt in who God was, doubt if God was even acting in these moments that are happening all over the world, doubt in how I'm functioning as the pastor to young adults. I realized really quickly that being online, watching all these things day in and day out, it was affecting my heart. And I'm not saying that we need to turn off the news all the time and ignore what's going on, but we may need to take a break to reorient our hearts, our hearts toward God. In a lot of ways, we're like Israel. We're wandering the wilderness aimlessly with our heads down, focused on technology. We can't even look up. We're not even looking up to see the promised land ahead of us and those journeying with us. So it begs the question, where do, we, where do we go from here? I mean, where do we go from here in light of that? Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It begins by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at, the, at home and when you walk on the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. For thousands of years, Jewish people would repeat this prayer twice a day, morning and in the evening. It was a prayer that was meant both individually, but more importantly, corporately. That individually and corporately, this would be lived out. It's known as the Shema. The Shema means to listen or to hear or to respond to what you hear. It is both the act of listening and responding to what you've heard. Essentially, it's obeying. Love the Lord your God is full devotion, solely giving oneself to the devotion of God. So how do we do this? How do we individually and corporately do this together as a community? First, we need to create space to hear from God. We need to create space to hear from God. 
Andy Crouch in his book, TechWise Family, says this. He says, we are continually being nudged by our devices to a set of choices. The question is whether those choices are leading us to a life we actually want. I want a life of conversation and friendship, not distraction and entertainment. But every day, many times a day, I'm nudged in the wrong direction. One key part of the art of living faithfully with technology is setting up better nudges for ourselves. So what can creating space to hear from God look like? What are nudges, desires, and habits that we can stop and new habits and nudges that we can form? Well, it can look like this. It can look like leaving your phone completely out of your room and away from your bedstand at night. It can look like in the morning that the first thing you do, rather than hop on the TV or a device, you open God's word, you pray, you spend moments in silence. It can also look like turning off the TV night at night and having a conversation with your spouse and your children. See, it can also look like time in solitude. Henry Nowen says that solitude is not, the, is not simply a means to an end. Solitude is its own end. It's a place where Christ remodels us in his own image and frees us from the victimizing compulsions of the world. Maybe you need to buy a newspaper and stop getting the news on your device. These are just a few things that can help you in the midst of dealing with nudges and habits that draw your attention and your heart to your device. And as someone who is well acquainted with anxiety, I can tell you that when I take a Sabbath from Instagram, Facebook, the news, I can tell you my heart, my heart begins to be ordered toward God's heart. I can sense in my soul that I begin to find rest and peace. Again, in order for us to reclaim our hearts from technology, we need to create space to hear from God. Secondly, we need to create space and time for people in new and creative ways. We need to create time and space for people in new and creative ways. Can I show you for a minute what this doesn't look like? It doesn't look like this. Of all the moments in the game at the Braves game, my friend Craig and I had had several great conversations. And of course, the moment they captured is this particular moment where we are both on our devices, ignoring one another. This is exactly what technology does to us. It's ridiculous. So what does it look like to create space for others and time for others in new and creative ways? Well, if you've been with Peachtree for quite some time and you've watched our online services, you would know that we launched the Feeding of the 5,000 initiative. And that the first step in the initiative, if you wanted to help, you could take five for five, where you would make phone calls to congregates and ask how they're doing, how we could be praying for them, how we can encourage and support them. And I got to tell you, it has been so powerful to connect with people I have never met from this congregation. I've had amazing moments, incredible conversations with so many people. Pat, I appreciated the moment that we spoke. 
I appreciated how raw you were in describing where you were in this moment in time. Marty, our conversation left me so encouraged for you and your family. Golzar, it was a gift to pray with you, to hear your heart, to hear where you are at. Rick, I am still praying for your brother-in-law. I am still praying for your kids. I have never met these people. I can't wait for the day I can hug them when it's appropriate. But it was because during this, it was a way to create space and time to reach people in new and creative ways. And it was so powerful to talk to these people. What if we don't change? What if COVID disappears overnight for some reason? What if we don't change? What does it look like going forward? I want to highlight a couple stats that gives us a glimpse into the world that will be and is currently if we don't change. Before iPads, devices, iWatches, all those different things, we had an attention span of 12 seconds. We now have an attention span of eight seconds. And do you know what that means? It means that a goldfish has a better attention span than we do. I mean, talk about getting schooled, no pun intended. Do you know that because we are multitasking between YouTube, email, Instagram, all these different things, although we might think we're being efficient, our brains have become less efficient and we have less of an attention span. Did you know that since tablets and devices have come out, ADHD rates, anxiety, depression rates, they have gone through the roof. Visual stimuli to toddlers is causing them to have less of an imagination. And of course, with technology, we've had more access to pornography, which is literally rewiring the male brain in some really awful and terrible ways. If we don't give our hearts or change our hearts from giving it over to technology and the nudges of technology, we're, we're going to continue to not create space for other people. We're going to not be able to hear the voice of God in these important moments. We're going to miss incredible moments where God might be trying to show us something or, trying, or wanting us to reach out to someone we've never reached out to before. We're going to have reordered hearts, misguided hearts. We need to reclaim our hearts from technology. I want to close with a reminder from the third chapter of 1 John. It reminds us that God is love, that perfect love casts out fear. And I want to use the analogy of a cell phone. And I want us to think of ourselves as a cell phone. If we don't plug in to the God of perfect love, we are never going to be able to respond to the anger, the brokenness, the noise, the voices out there today in the ways that the God of love wants us to. If we're not plugging into the God of perfect love on a daily basis, creating space to hear from him, we're never going to be able to bring the hope, reconciliation, peace, and voices that need to be heard right now. If we're not plugging in to the God of grace, 
we're simply not going to be able to send, extend that to those who very much need it right now. Because when we're fully charged by the God of perfect love, when we worship God with our soul and with our strength, when we as a community create space to hear from others and write scripture on our hearts and pray for those that are hurting, we can do things we have never done before. We can do things that we simply cannot do on our own. We need time with God to live as followers of Jesus who bring hope, reconciliation, and a voice to the voiceless right now. We need to encourage each other to live like this. So, may our desires, our decisions, our hearts be directed to the God of love. May we be solely devoted and given over to him with all of our soul and with all of our strength, both individually and as, as a community. Let us reclaim our hearts by creating space to hear from God and creating space and time in creative ways with others. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Father, we live in a difficult time. This is nothing new to you. You saw this moment in time coming. And you know and we know that you are with us every step of the way. Father, would you help us reclaim our hearts from the God of technology? Would you help us live individually and corporately as a community, writing your words of love and prayer on our hearts so that we may be a voice to others right now? Help us lift our heads from our devices so we might stop wandering the wilderness aimlessly and so that we might hear from you and be a source of light for others during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.